I, I want you to know that I just got done praying for you. Um, I'm just praying for your time alone with God. Everyone who hears this, I, I've been asking God, help me to just lead people into your presence and then just leave them there. I, mean, I, I want you who are listening to have these amazing times alone with God where no one else is in the room. And it's just you and the word of God where you, you cherish it. I hope you understand that. That's the whole goal of this podcast is, is I want to get people to understand how, how simple it can be to be alone with the word of God and, and how amazing it can be. I mean, this, this is a privilege we have. I mean, think about the Old Testament and Moses getting the privilege of walking into the presence of God, going up that mountaintop and encountering the creator of the whole earth. And, and the privilege that the high priest got when he would enter into the temple and actually go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies. I mean, that was an insane thought. Like everyone would go, no way, he's going in the Holy of Holies. It's like you would hold your breath and go, what's going to happen as this person goes into the presence of God? And then as, as we read the Gospels, we see that when Jesus was crucified, that veil was torn in the temple. I mean, that was a picture of, of us getting access because of the body of Christ, because of his death. Now we get to go into the Holy of Holies. And, and, and it blows me away that I hear so few people talk about that. I hear very few talk, talk about, ah, oh, this morning I was alone in the presence of God. It was an honor to just walk into the Holy of Holies. I was just there. It was just me, the Bible, and I just thought about being in the presence of God, and I didn't want to leave. And so, so my goal is not to get people addicted to a podcast or addicted to a voice. It's the exact opposite. It's like, gosh, is there a way that I could tell you how wonderful it is to be alone with God so that you wouldn't always have someone else around and you wouldn't always need someone to teach you, but that you alone would come into the presence of God and, uh, and into his word. And, and this morning, as we, as we are reading through the Bible, this morning we were in John 1 and 2, which is, which is about John the Baptist. And, and that's exactly what John the Baptist was all about, right? He was just trying to turn people away from him and on to God. In fact, when the people would ask him, we go, man, who are you? Are you the Christ? John the Baptist would say, I'm, in chapter 1, verse 23, he says, I'm the voice. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. That, that's, that's what John the Baptist goes, you want to know who I am? Everyone's wondering who I am. Here's who I am. I'm just a voice saying, hey, get ready. Someone else is coming. John, in, in the, a couple of verses later, he says, look, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He goes, look, there's someone coming. That, that's all you need to know. That's, that's, that's my whole job is to tell you there's someone coming. And I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Okay? He, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And, and you see later on in chapter 36, it says, I mean, I'm sorry, in verse 36, he looked at Jesus, he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. That was John the Baptist's life. He goes, look, all I'm trying to get you to do is to follow Jesus. Let me tell you how great he is. All I exist is to be a voice, to tell you how great Jesus is. And once you see him, I want you to follow him. That's why in chapter 3, it's like some of the disciples are, are like, hey, hey, you know, people are, are following Jesus now. He goes, man, that's a good thing. He goes, don't you understand that he must increase, but I must decrease. So, so the whole picture of, of our lives should in some ways be wrapped around this verse. He must increase I must decrease. This is the job of every pastor, every preacher, every Christian leader, every youth leader, every Christian, is how can we humble ourselves more and more and make less of ourselves and more of Jesus? So please, please, please understand that is the goal. That is my goal right now. This is what I pray for. This was my experience. I had some great men of God lead me in the early days. And what they did was they taught me how to get into the word for myself. They would teach me the things that they were, they were learning. And they would encourage me to get alone with God and then teach them what I'm learning. And, and it, it's, it's almost like they, uh, they led me into the presence of God. And then they just left me there and walked away. It's kind of like what John the Baptist did. It's like they, he led his disciples over to where Jesus was. He's talking up Jesus, talking up Jesus, and there he is. And so then his disciples walk away from him and follow Jesus. Man, that's our goal is can we get people into the word of God? Can we get people alone with God? Can we get them to understand the Holy Spirit and then start following Jesus and start leading others? Our, our job is not to acquire as many followers as we can. It's to push people over to Jesus. And so just as my, my leaders led me in the presence of God and then say, okay, now start following him and lead others in the same way. And my job was just to stay in the presence of God now and to abide in him and to follow him. And, and every day to say, God, this is all I want. Just this one thing I ask. This is the one thing I'll seek. I just want to dwell in your presence. I, I just want to gaze upon your beauty. And is that true of you? That you gaze at his beauty this week? As you read his word, were you just loving it, loving it, loving it? I mean, when we, we look at, at Mark, I just want to continue this theme because we read through basically the whole book of Mark this last week. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says that the same type of idea in uh, Mark 10, verse 31, where he says, Many who are first will be last, and the last first. I think these were the types of phrases I kept finding in the book of, of Mark. Jesus reminding us that we can't be like the world. 
The world is constantly grabbing, grasping for attention. They love popularity. They love having huge followings. They love being first. But he goes, you're going to be surprised. And then you got to have faith. You got to believe there's something else coming. And if you believe in this eternity, then you're going to, you're going to sink to the bottom. You're going to swim for the bottom. You're going to, you, you want to be last. You, you actually want to be rejected here on this earth. You actually want to face some of this persecution. You actually want to lose this stuff because you're going to re- be rewarded a hundredfold in the life to come. And he explains, he goes, look, the religious leaders of that day, he goes, that's not the way they are. In in Mark 12, in in verse uh, 38, he says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, and they like greetings in the marketplaces. And they have the best places, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He says, man, some of these guys that are religious leaders and they're taking advantage of their position. They're taking advantage of their authority and and they're, they're, they're getting the best places and they love it. They love walking around and everyone knows their name. They love getting the seats of honor. And he says, they're going to receive the greater condemnation because he says, their hearts aren't right. Man, they're doing a lot of this for a show. This isn't really about lifting up the name of Jesus. It's really about lifting up their own names. And man, I'm not, I I don't want to act like, oh yeah, those guys, those people. I can't tell you how many times I've struggled with it. I can't tell you how many times I actually like the seat of honor. I hate this about myself. I get caught up in it. I like being greeted. I like being known. I like this stuff. And, and and it's so in line with the Pharisees and the scribes. And it's so different from Jesus. It's so different from what Jesus says. Okay, that's the way the scribes are. But then in the next chapter in, in, in Mark 13, he tells the disciples, he goes, but you be on your guard. For they're going to deliver you over to councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You're going to stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, Jesus makes a contrast. He says, look, there are the false teachers, these religious leaders Man, they just want the glory. They love the positions of authority. They love the seats of honor. And then there's going to be you. And he says, you're going to be delivered over to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's like the person who just recognizes, okay, the last can be first. That, that was in the same context where Jesus told his disciples, look, whatever you give, whatever you sacrifice, you're going to get a hundred times as much. Okay, don't be like these scribes that want it all now. It's about later. Okay, you've got to endure. The one who endures till the end will be saved. And then when you read about Jesus' own life and, and you, you see the crucifixion at the end in Mark chapter 15, I mean, listen to Jesus. Look at our example. Verse 17, they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Here is Jesus at the end of his life. People are mocking him. They're putting a, a purple robe in mockery. They're putting a crown of thorns and, and a reed, you know, in his hand like, hey, here's your scepter. And they grab it from his hand and they start hitting him in the head. They start spitting. I mean, this is, gee, imagine taking this. Imagine just sitting there and taking it, knowing you've got full power to destroy all of these people. You created them and yet he loves them and he, he allows them to mock him like this, to spit on him. And then lead him off to be crucified. And then during his crucifixion in, in verse 31, it says, The chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Here's the end of the life of Jesus. He's mocked. He's laughed at. And all the while, he's just taking it. Why? Because this was the example. This is what he told his disciples. You got to endure to the end. You've got to believe, have so much faith in the afterlife that I really am coming back. See, Jesus knew what was coming. He, he, he knew, okay, this isn't the end of the story. Okay, I'm going to take this right now because this isn't the end of the story. And then just the mocking and the pain and the scourging and the beating and, and the crying out to the Father while everyone is laughing and mocking him. In his mind, he's going, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. I'm coming back. And, and that's, that's the mindset we have to take at his, as his followers. Is not this attitude of the scribes where I want to make a name for myself right now. No. It's, I'll take the lowest place. I'll be rejected. I'll be hated. I'll be like John the Baptist who was beheaded. But he ended his life just as a voice. And he goes, I don't want you to think of me. I want you to think of him. And when you remember me, just remember I was just a voice and what an amazing, amazing example. I struggle so much with the things that I've just shared. 
And I am praying, God, please, please change me. The change takes place as we seriously come into the presence of God and, and beg for this type of humility because it's not natural. And everything in the world is going to tell you the opposite. But when you read the word of God, what do you see? You see a savior who did not live for this life here on earth, but sacrificed everything and says, this is the example. And so with all the other voices you hear of media or friends and even some preachers, just block it out of your head. Get alone with the word of God. Look at the life of Christ. As we continue to read through the scriptures, and this week we'll be in the book of John, man, listen to the words of Jesus and follow him. But take some time to just worship him for his humility and then ask him to make you humble.